how many people have done the 365 lessons of the Course in Miracles? Truth time. One person? <laughs> Three? Four? Gosh, I've been talking about the Course in Miracles for two years. We have, we have four people. We have two Course in Miracles groups. All right. This will inspire you, though. I know you got to lesson 35 and you stopped. Isn't that right? Okay. These lessons are so simple and so good. I thought we'd just take two of the shorter ones and talk about them. When we go into the Course, we go into a pure statement of truth. This, however, should not bother anyone because a pure meditation cleanses the heart and soul and it's a very gentle way of putting ourselves back on the path. And so at the Dispensable Church, we do talk a lot about things to do and we'll talk a little bit about it uh, some more this morning. But I want you to listen to this very simple, pure statement of truth. Because the simpler you become, the more practical you become in getting home. This is Lesson 79. Let me recognize the problem so it can be solved. A problem cannot be solved if you do not know what it is, even if it is really solved already, you will still have the problem because you will not recognize that it has been solved. This is the situation of the world. The problem of separation, which is really the only problem, has already been solved. Yet the solution is not recognized because the problem is not recognized. Everyone in this world seems to have his own special problems, yet they are all the same, and must be recognized as one if the one solution that solves them all is to be accepted. Who can see that a problem has been solved if he thinks the problem is something else? Even if he is given the answer, he cannot see its relevance. That is the position in which you find yourself now. You have the answer, but you are still uncertain about what the problem is. A long series of different problems seems to confront you, and as one is settled, the next one and the next arise. There seems to be no end to them. There is no time in which you feel completely free of problems and at peace. The temptation to regard problems as many is the temptation to keep the problem of separation unsolved. The world seems to present you with a vast number of problems, each requiring a different answer. This perception places you in a position in which your problem-solving must be inadequate, and the failure is inevitable. 
no one could solve all the problems the world appears to hold. They seem to be on so many levels, in such varying forms, and with such varied content, that they confront you with an impossible situation. Dismay and depression are inevitable as you regard them. Some spring up unexpectedly, just as you think you have resolved the previous ones. Others remain unsolved under a cloud of denial and rise to haunt you from time to time, only to be hidden again, but still unsolved. All this complexity is but a desperate attempt not to recognize the problem, and therefore not to let it be resolved. If you could recognize that your only problem is separation, no matter what form it takes, you could accept the answer because you would see its relevance. Perceiving the underlying consistency in all the problems that seem to confront you, you would understand that you have the means to solve them, and you would use the means because you recognize the problem. And then Lesson 79 goes on and gives the specific instructions for the day. And I won't go into those, but let me just read the very end. Be not deceived by the form of problems today. Whatever any difficulty seems to arise, tell yourself quickly, let me recognize this problem so it can be solved. Then try to suspend all judgment about what the problem is. If possible, close your eyes for a moment and ask what it is. You will be heard and you will be answered. This world arose from a question. This world is the answer to an unhappy question. Does attack work? Is there something more than love? What if there were no oneness? What if there were only separateness? Would this have any value? And this world is the answer to that question. It is a world, therefore, made without love. And any time you ask a question, you are asking for an answer without love. Unless you ask a question that is one with the answer, all questions that come from the ego have no answer. And that's how you can tell. You have to keep repeating the question. You have to worry endlessly about the problem. You have to question it. Question, should you do this and should you, or should you do that? And what are the ramifications? And what about last time? And what will so-and-so think? And will this hurt me? And on and on and on. Is it right? Endless questions that evoke an answer with no love and therefore no rest. Since this world is the result of a question, 
As long as you ask questions, you'll remain in the world. When you realize that you are the answer, you begin leaving the world. When you realize that you have the answer in your heart, that God has placed it there, that the Holy Spirit protects it, that all the angels of heaven softly whisper what the answer is to your mind whenever you are ready to hear it, then you begin leaving the world. But as long as you stay confused, as long as you ask and ask and ask, then you remain in the world because the question which is the world has remained unanswered for you. Answer that question today in your heart, right now, this instant. Ask yourself right now, does separation have any value? Does lovelessness and faithlessness and attack have any value? Do you wish to continue seeking value and setting yourself apart and having things that others do not have and rejoicing at their loss and at their lack? Or do you wish to feel the love of your Father? Do you wish to feel your oneness with your brother and your sister? Do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? David, would you, David does not know, David is going to kill me as a matter of fact. David, would you do me a favor? Would you just briefly stand up and turn around and then sit down? Just briefly stand up, <laughs> turn around, and then sit down. <laughs> sit down. Now, David, this is awful. You only you would only do this to a friend, but in the world you do this to friends, do you see? But I needed this illustration. Um, a T T B A T T B. A tall Texan is beautiful. Now, don't let this raise the question about a short Texan. You see, immediately the ego has a question. Well, what about a short Texan? You see. But we had to demonstrate that a tall Texan is beautiful. A T T B. I want you to remember A T T B. David, I'm sure, will never forget. <laughs> what do you do if you find yourself having a question? You cannot have... <laughs> you cannot have a true question... Right. You, ca you cannot have a true question... A true question without having the answer simultaneously. So if the question is, am I one with thee, O my Father? You will feel your oneness instantly if it is a true question. What is my purpose today? 
is a true question. How easy is that answered? We know the answer. Now, there may be a conflict with other purposes. There may be multiple goals. But what is my true purpose this day has its answer. None of you could rise in the morning and ask yourself, what is my purpose this day without having the answer and having it in words that you will understand and love? The words will be different because the words are within the world. The words are the packages that the ego places around the truths. The truths are pure spirit, a softness, a gentleness. So the words differ because they're in the world, but the answer is in the heart. We already know enough. We are the answer because we are one with God. But what do you do if you have a question, if you have a problem, if you are worrying, if you are confused? And it's very important to understand that you must understand, you must see just how confused you are before the confusion will begin to leave. You must understand that at our level of learning, yours and mine, you cannot do anything during the day without confusion, without conflict, without fear. So you enter it with anxiety, you do it with anxiety, and then you worry about it afterwards. This is simply the way it is. And you must see that. You must begin to see that. And seeing it because you are seeing it and because you are one with God, it will begin to disappear. If you just look at it, it will begin to disappear. But what do you do? Have no question is too simple. So here's the intellectual's version of what to do. We must make these things complicated enough, you see. And that's we get back to A-T-T-B. Ask yourself what you want to do. It's A. Ask yourself what you want to do. Take enough time to reach certainty. It's T. Take enough time to reach certainty. Tell yourself what you are doing. Another T. And B. Be certain you are doing it as peacefully as you can. Four steps. So if you find yourself confused, perhaps you would like to try these four steps. Ask yourself what you want to do. I doubt seriously that there are more than two or three people in this church who are doing that at this time. Your ego will resist this. Your ego does not want you to sit quietly and simply look in your heart and ask yourself, what do you want to do? Because your ego, which is a defense mechanism against God, understands that if you were to look in your heart enough times and say to yourself, what would I like to do? You would begin 
to remember that your will and the will of God are the same. There is no difference between your will and the will of God. There is no difference between your will and the will of your employer or your employee or your sister-in-law or your mother or your spouse. There is no difference. If two people sit quietly and look in their heart, they have the same answer. There is only one heart. Because there's only one God. And the answer is the same. Because the problem is the same. Do not be afraid to do this. When you are confused, how am I going to get well? How am I going to come up with the money? What am I going to do about the neighbor's dog? Whatever the thing may be, don't be afraid to sit quietly, look in your heart, and ask yourself, what do you want to do? That's number one. Number two, take enough time to reach certainty. You have certainty within you. Certainty is a possibility for everybody in this building at this time. You can have certainty. You will not be certain that the answer will work in terms of the world, that it will be a perfect answer, that it will even solve the problem in the terms that the problem has been set up. But you can be certain it's what you want to do. You may see that there are other desires sort of circul uh, uh, circling the uh, your heart's desire. Like, like shadows or something. These other desires. A confusion of voices from your past. What you ought to do what you'd better do or it'll hurt you. And thousands and thousands more. Circling the one true desire. But it doesn't matter if you look in your heart, you will see what you want to do. And you will say to yourself, am I certain that I want to try this? Not am I certain will it work or is it right? Or am I making a mistake? Am I certain I want to try this? And you can reach that. How long will it take you to reach that? On some occasions, it will take you just a few seconds. And you'll say, ah, this is what I want to try. On other occasions, when the other desires seem like dark clouds rather than like shadows, it may take you longer than that. It may take you several minutes. It may take you, in fact, 30 minutes, 40 minutes to do that. It might even take you two or three hours. It may even take you an entire day. You may have to go out and walk and talk to yourself out loud and say, of course I know what I want to try. What is it I want to try? And you brush away all the yes buts, yes buts, yes buts. Because of course you don't know the results and that's what your ego is arguing. The results have nothing to do with what you want to try. Forget the results and see what it is you want to try. There's no magic to it. There's no mysticism to it. It's not that you have some magic wand when you see this. But you do take a step home 
every time you do that. Even if what you try doesn't seem to solve the problem as you saw the problem. Even if it makes the problem a little worse, you still have taken a step home because you took the time to look in your heart and you saw that you are capable of a degree of certainty, enough certainty to say, yes, this is what I want to try. Then you try it. Because, of course, you only ask about things that are at hand. You don't ask about things that you can't do, that haven't come up. You don't ask before the time has come to ask. You ask because now it's possible to do something about it. And so now you are acting. Now you're picking up the phone. Now you're writing the letter. Now you're throwing away the whatever the thing is. So the third step is, tell yourself what you're doing. If you want to know why you are always late, it's because you're conflicted about going to the place. This is why we are, are late this is why the thing doesn't come off in the simple way that we have the ability to bring it off. We are conflicted. If you're conflicted about going someplace, one of the ways that that will manifest itself is in your being late. But if you will look in your heart and ask yourself, do I want to go to this place? Then you will get there on time. That's just a simple illustration. Conflict enters everything. But most people don't realize that they don't do something. They try to do a hundred things at the same time. The body actually acts as if it's being jerked around by strings, and you'll be able to see this. Do you want to make the bed? Then your body will not be jerked all around as it's making the bed. Do you want to wash the dishes? Then you will not throw the silverware away in the trash can as you scrape out the food, you see, which I have done on occasion. <laughs> Tell yourself what you're doing. You have decided. Now go ahead and do it. That's very simple. The ego resists this kind of simplicity. It doesn't mean that, of course, if the smoke alarm goes out, that you must continue to wash the dishes. Go and see why the smoke alarm went off, you see. But very rarely does something come up that it's really a good idea for you to now reconsider and ask yourself, should I now change my course? This will happen, and of course you must allow yourself to change your mind. But you change your mind. Don't have the ego come in with questions and change it for you, and now you're scattered. You cannot be happy trying to do a hundred things at once. Does that matter? It does if you realize that God is happiness. 
You cannot know God unless you can get to the point where you can do something and do nothing else while you're doing it. You won't know God. You cannot know God while you're confused and conflicted about what you're doing. Never carve a turkey when you're feeling guilty. <laughs> I had done something. I was feeling guilty about it. I did not sit down and ask myself, what did I want to do? I got out the sharpest knife I had, started cutting a turkey, and almost lopped off my thumb. How can I know God if I'm in that state of mind? As we've said before, the ego does have a way of resolving conflict, and that is to barge ahead to do something quickly because it wants the appearance of certainty, of questionlessness, of stillness. Do you see how still it is to simply do what you're doing? Do you see the peace in that? Can you feel the peace in that? And so I should have sat down and asked myself, what do I want to do about this guilt feeling? But instead, I tried to do two things at once. And the last, the B at the end of A-T-T-B. Be certain you're going, you're doing it as peaceful, peacefully as you can. There's another place where certainty can come in. This is a beautiful, wonderful certainty. Because, of course, we cannot do anything in perfect peace yet. But we can have the feeling that we are certain we're doing the best we can. That is attainable. It's an actual platform, a very, very sturdy, well-made platform upon which you stand. You sort of monitor yourself, and you say, am I doing this as peacefully as I can? And you'll feel the certainty. That is a step home. There are only so many steps to get home. And then you're there. Take that one as often as you can. Now, the uh, as you know, we applied for our uh, tax number some time back, the IRS. This takes a little while. The people we have consulted, none of them seem to feel like there's any chance at all that... Uh, that we will not get it, but uh, right now, evidently, people are misusing churches all over the country, and so the IRS, uh, <laughs> when you send in an application with a dispensable church on it, <laughs> <clears throat> we also made a mistake of sending in the article that the Santa Fe reporter did on us, entitled A Throwaway Church, in which they quoted me as saying, this church began as a joke, and we're trying to keep it that way. <laughs> the IRS wanted to know what possible connection could there be between humor and religion. I kid you not. I kid you not. We have to answer that question. What do, why is this? What is the compatibility? We don't understand the compatibility 
of these two things. <laughs> also, we uh, told them very straightforwardly that, uh, that uh, Gail and I don't receive any compensation in any way whatsoever from this church, from the sale of the tapes or anything else. Then where are you getting it? <laughs> this cannot be believed that people would actually have a church and not receive compensation. And so they want to know that this actually is a church that actually exists. You see, we don't have members, members here. We don't have a membership role. Um, we don't even have a guest book. <laughs> we are trying to communicate with some people a long way off and prove that this is actually church, that people actually come here. And so we need to be more churchy. And as you, <laughs> and as you know, one of the ways to be more churchy is you repeat something after I say it. This is all the real churches do this. So we'll have a church break here just a minute. Now, I want you. So what are the letters? A T T B. Right. All right. And what does that what does that stand for uh, as far as the little sentence that helps you remember it? A tall Texan. This is just, this is really choking in some people's lives. <laughs> With all the ski Texas signs on the back of course and everything. <laughs> I know that was hard to get out, but it's, it's, it's important, you see. Now, the first one is, and please repeat after me. Ask yourself, what do you want to do? Ask yourself, what do you want to do? Now, don't you feel more religious? The second one is, take enough time to reach certainty. Take enough time to reach certainty. Tell yourself what you are doing. Tell yourself what you are doing. And be certain you are doing it as peacefully as you can. Be certain you are doing it as peacefully as you can. Now, we will send that recording to the IRS. <laughs> there are actually people out there. <laughs> okay. Now, that was the intellectual's version. Here is the simpleton's version. We must have a simpleton's version. Simple ton, a ton of simple. Have a ton of simple. The simpler you can get it and still not activate your ego, the better. So go ahead and make it as complicated as you need to, and we do need to make these things complicated. This is true. Make it as complicated as you need to. Use imageries and use affirmations and uh, stand on your head and... Uh, you know, chant om and everything that you want to do. Add more and more stuff. These are good things to do. Beat pillows with a tennis racket. Anything. These are all very, very good things to do. Some of them I do and some of them I don't. Uh, and 
But you must do. I, I get as complicated as I need to. And to let go of something that's really disturbing me, I need to be very thorough and use lots of little tricks, do you see? But whenever possible, I see if I can't become a what? A simpleton. <laughs> now, here's the simpleton's version. I'll say it several different ways. Let go and let God. How many times have you heard that? Let go and let God. That's all you need to do. Now, if you'd like to put that in the form of imagery, here's one that I use. I love to use this one. I just take the problem and I hand it to Jesus. That's what I do. I just hand it to him. And he says, oh, thank you. <laughs> because he does not want us to worry, you see. <laughs> Or if it's something that I don't know what to do about, I simply hand it to him and say, you tell me what I need to do, when I need to do it. Thank you. So, this only has three steps, the simpleton version. You hand the question to God. You forget it. Number two. And you be happy. So that's all you do. Hand it to God. Whatever your name for God is. There's only one thing. There is only one thing. It makes no difference whether we call God our brother. Or the Holy Spirit. Or the infinite. Or absolute perfect truth. Or everything or a thousand other names, or a sound, a sound like Om. It makes no difference. I, mean, I, I know I told you about the little uh, monogram, uh, monograph, excuse me, monogram, the little monograph that I received about the, uh, about the sound of God, uh, the universal sound of God that someone sent me. Uh, my favorite, it's Hugh. <laughs> Everyone says it as they breathe out. Hugh. All right. So it makes no difference what you call it. Uh, but Gail, as I told you, uh, Gail put an end to that very quickly. She saw I was getting carried away with this. She said, I want to remind you, your name is Hugh the Third. <laughs> Turn it over to God, forget it, and be happy. The world will not fall in on you. It will be taken care of. You cannot be hurt by doing that. Be a simpleton. Now, another way that you can do this, and it's a very lovely way, I know this doesn't apply to all of you. At least most of you don't think that it applies to you although it is a possibility in anyone's life, there's always someone that anyone can join with. It is not necessarily a good thing for people to attempt to join with another person until they have reached a certain stage of learning. It is a bad thing, as a matter of fact, to make this attempt. 
even though it's a possibility. But you can join with anything. You can join with your child. You can join with your spouse. You can join with your pet. Holy relationships can be formed with a pet. Holy relationships can be formed with anything because God is everywhere. And when you join with anything in a true sense, and when you see its gentleness and its perfection, and when you truly love it, you're joining with the God that is there regardless of the appearance and regardless of the name. Remember, dog is God spelled backwards. <laughs> now, <clears throat> so I've seen, uh, we're, we're being too silly this morning, aren't we? Yeah. As I told you, Gail and I, um, for the last several years, have been doing a lot of work with parents who have had a child die. And I have seen this over and over again. I have seen a parent begin to join with the child who appears to have left them. And this is a lovely thing. It is the same thing as turning it over to God. Now, in a case like this, you do not ask your child what to do. That is separateness. Do you see that? To ask the child what to do is separateness. But to join with the child and then together make the decision. The decision comes from a holy relationship. If you have had a wife or a husband die, you can do this if you wish. You can remember them. You see, the interesting thing is that often when someone dies... It is easier to join with them than it is when they were around, physically. This is not always the case, but it is very often the case. And you've seen this. Haven't you noticed how easy it is to forgive someone if they're not there? <laughs> There's a very simple reason for that. The body is the picture, the out-picturing of the ego. And so when you're not around their ego, then it is often easier to go ahead and, and join with them. And so that is perfectly all right for you to do that. It is fine to do this with a child, provided you don't do something silly, like then think that you must treat this two-year-old uh, opinions as if uh, they were coming from a state of maturity. Because that is the ego when we ask an opinion of someone, we are consulting their ego, and a two-year-old has a two-year-old ego. But if you will look beyond the two-year-old, even the child that is in your house, you can join with and have a holy relationship, provided you don't tell yourself what this has to do about being firm and having certain reasonable rules. That is another way of giving it to God. And I know it doesn't uh, concern most of you, but it's perfectly all right. It is a fine thing to do, to have a sense of oneness with someone who's passed on, or to have a sense of oneness with Jesus, or have a sense of oneness with God, or have a sense of oneness 
with the spiritual self of your spouse or anything else that you wish to do. This is, of course, a form, a way of meditation, to simply meditate on the loveliness of, for example, a rose or a lily until you have a sense of oneness with it. Having reached that sense of oneness, you will not make a mistake if you make a decision from that base of peace. The next lesson, and the one that I would like to end the service with, is lesson number 80. Let me recognize my problems have been solved. So the first one was, let me recognize the problem so it can be solved. And then, let me recognize my problems have been solved. So would you close your eyes and just listen to this simple truth and accept it. Try not to argue against it. Just accept it. Because this is an extremely helpful concept. If you are willing to recognize your problems, you will recognize that you have no problems. Your one central problem has been answered, and you have no other. Therefore, you must be at peace. Salvation thus depends on recognizing this one problem and understanding that it has been solved. One problem one solution. Salvation is accomplished. Freedom from conflict has been given you. Accept that fact, and you are ready to take your rightful place in God's plan for salvation. Your only problem has been solved. Repeat this over and over today to yourself with gratitude and conviction. You have recognized your only problem opening the way for the Holy Spirit to give you God's answer. You have laid deception aside and seen the light of truth. You have accepted salvation for yourself by bringing the problem to the answer. And you can recognize the answer because the problem has been identified. You are entitled to peace today. A problem that has been resolved cannot trouble you. Only be certain you do not forget that all problems are the same. Their many forms may not deceive you while you remember this. One problem, one solution. Accept the peace this simple statement brings. Now you can open your eyes now if you'd like. I'm going to go ahead and read the last two paragraphs or so of this lesson, which includes a little of the instructions. In our longer practice periods today, we will claim the peace that must be ours when the problem and the answer have been brought together. The problem must be gone because God's answer cannot fail. Having recognized one, you have recognized the other. 
the solution is inherent in the problem. You are answered and have accepted the answer. You are saved. Now let the peace that your acceptance brings be given you. Close your eyes and receive your reward. Recognize that your problems have been solved. Recognize that you are out of conflict, free, and at peace. Above all, remember that you have one problem and that the problem has one solution. It is in this that the simplicity of salvation lies. It is because of this that it is guaranteed to work. Assure yourself often today that your problems have been solved. Repeat the idea with deep conviction as frequently as possible and be particularly sure to apply the idea for today to any specific problem that may ar arise. Say quickly, let me recognize this problem has been solved. Let us be determined not to collect grievances today. Let us be determined to be free of problems that do not exist. The means is simple honesty. Do not deceive yourself about what the problem is, and you must recognize that it has been solved. Thank you so much for coming.